0: Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Daugherty, and I'm your host. Well, I hope Christmas went well for you and your family. It was an interesting Christmas for my family, as Arlene and I both got really sick and couldn't make it to any of the celebrations or the observances. We couldn't go to church on Christmas Eve morning or the candlelight service that night. But we were able to take part through streaming online, and we're really thankful that the church offered that. But now that Christmas is done, and we start to look to New Year's, I know that for many of us, it's that time of year where we start to think about, you know, maybe evaluate the past year. Just how did things go? How did I do? And then start to think about maybe some changes I could make for the new year. So, you know, those New Year resolutions. If you're thinking through this right now, there's some things I I always want to say about it, and hopefully you find it to be an encouragement. If you're frustrated with your walk with the Lord and you're thinking of making some changes in this new year, then before you make your new year resolutions, let me remind you of Romans 7, verse 18, which reads like this, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Some onlookers thought it was unusual, but few noticed when the pastor wheeled into the church parking lot in a borrowed pickup truck. But everyone's eyes were upon him when he backed the truck across the lawn to his study door. And refusing comment or assistance, he began to empty his office onto the truck bed. He was impassive and systematic. First, the desk drawers, then the files, and at last his library of books, which he tossed carelessly into the heap, many of them flopping askew like slain birds. His task done, the pastor left the church and, as was later learned, drove some miles to the city dump where he committed everything to the waiting garbage. It was his way of putting behind him the overwhelming sense of failure and loss that he had experienced in ministry, and this young, gifted pastor was determined never to return to the ministry. Indeed, he never did. If you are expecting more of your flesh than what your flesh is capable of, you're destined for the same results with your new year's resolutions this pastor with his education his giftedness didn't make a difference and your preparations your determination your 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 drive to make changes will not make a difference either if we're going to live different then, what is required? Now, a lot of us, you know, we we, we go through lists. We look at things that we know maybe need to change, and I think it's it's good. Understand this though: that in identifying the desired result, this alone does not bring about the desired result. Identifying the desired result, in and of itself, does not bring about the desired result. I took some time looking on, online at uh, some Christian sites and wanting to find you know what are Christians right now thinking about in, in changes that they want to make in their life? what kind of resolutions do they want to make? And I found this one it was interesting. it, it gave uh, 10 different resolutions to make and so this is how it was laid out resolve to stay faithful to Jesus Christ. Resolve to not let anything, a career, significant other, social media, a house, become an object of worship. Resolve to watch your language. Resolve to prevent burnout by putting aside work one day a week. Resolve to talk to your parents on a regular basis. Resolve to be angry less resolve to honor your commitment to your spouse resolve to not take anything that's not yours and resolve to speak about others only with the truth and love not gossip and then their last one resolve to be content with what you have and not worry about what others are amassing you know i think it's interesting Everyone starting with resolve, you know, be determined, you know, make up your mind, you're going to do this. And, you know, every one of these resolves, I mean, every topic, yes, of course, this should be seen in the believer. But remember now, understanding and identifying the desired result does not bring about the desired result. And I will say that being resolved does not. Another website that I found uh, was uh, the, it came up with ten other things too, and I think all of them are good. I think you can find that, well, it, even as this list was given online, you know, most of them had scripture with it, so you could say yeah, it's scriptural. Um, you know, most of them. The one that that didn't have scripture with it, I think you still could find. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a good thing according to scripture. But these 10 go this way. It says, be a peacemaker. Go to church regularly. Read the Bible daily. Find ways to serve others. Be an encourager. Start a gratefulness journal. Post only positive things on social media. Pray every day. Be hospitable. Be humble. See, again, Ten good things, the things I think you can go to the Bible and say this is how it should be. But again, listen, understanding that our identifying the desired result doesn't achieve the desired result. And we can, you know, we can go through the Bible, we can find how we're supposed to be like this and be like this and be like this and say, okay, now I'm resolved, I'm going to do this. And how many times have you gone through that in your life only to find yourself in another place of frustration where you still have the same issues? So when does this cycle end? What has to be? I mean, is it just a cruel joke for the believer? You know, that unobtainable existence? Is this, is this really all the Bible has to give us? It's just to, to dangle the carrot at the end of the rope or the end of the stick so far away, never quite able to grab hold of it? According to a study published in the Journal of of Clinical Psychology, only 46% of people who made New Year's resolutions were successful. So that means that over half of the people who set a goal for the new year will, will fail. And I believe that these statistics are, are just in regards to, you know, resolutions like losing weight or drinking less or, you know, living a full life. They're not even touching living a life that glorifies God, living out His image. So how is it possible for us to live a life in this new year that is different from the life we're living in the old? In approaching a new year and wanting to do things better, I want to remind you of things we've already talked about. Do you realize what should be seen in you as you face this new year, according to scripture, it's to be no less than all that is true of God. According to Genesis 126, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. So how's that going for you? Are you living out the image of God? Are frustratingly wearing yourself out only to be left with the feeling that you're not qualified to live according to this standard. If your answer is, yes, I'm frustrated, then good. Because God never intended nor designed you to achieve these results by your best effort. Again, in Romans 7, 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. In other words, you, in and of yourself, are not qualified. It doesn't matter how resolute you are. So, how did God expect His image to become a reality in us? Simply by, ready? His activity in us. In Genesis 2, 7 then the Lord God, formed man of dust from the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. As Major Ian Thomas once said, it's, it takes God in the man for man to be the man that God made man to be. Do you see that man without God simply is not man, but only an empty shell? An empty shell, but with the capacity for the very life of God not for us to be resolved to use that but for us to know as we by faith yield every situation in life to his ability and his sufficiency moses had to learn this true Uh, We know from Scripture that he was a man who was raised as a member of one of the richest and most powerful families in the world, according to Exodus 2.10. And he was also well-educated, according to Acts 7.22. And according to historical records, we know that he was a successful general in battle. Now, you look at this, and the world would say that Moses was qualified. He could be resolute to be the deliverer of the Hebrew people, but he soon found out that he was far in qualified, or far from being qualified. As he approached the problem of his brethren being enslaved, uh, in Exodus 2.12, it reads like this, he looked this way and that, and when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian He saw Egypt as being the problem, and that problem needed to be dealt with, but he soon found out that the obstacle that needed to be overcome was not actually Egypt, but it was actually himself. As a friend used to tell me, we always think that our problem is our problem, but that's not our problem. We are our problem, (laughs) and that's a problem. As a result of dependence on his fleshly position and his fleshly accomplishments, he found himself both running for his life and in hiding for 40 years. Finally, in this place of failure, Moses comes to realize in the presence of God at the burning bush, his, his true problem and to find God's provision he recognizes his problem in Exodus chapter three and verse eleven, when he asks God, Who am I? God had just said, Now I'm gonna send you to do what you thought you could do and what you thought you could do with your own determination. But now here you are forty years later, a failure. Now I'm gonna send you to do it. And Moses replying now, the one who thought that he could in himself, forty years earlier, as the prince of Egypt, now asks a simple question. Who am I? The man who once thought himself to be qualified for the task has come to realize that when faced with the same issue, that there was nothing in him that could meet the need. But he didn't stay there. He didn't stay there in that self-pity, but he went on to ask God the next question in verse 13. And that question being this, Who are you? You know, have you moved on to that next question? Or do you find you're just there in that frustration and that self-pity that I'll never be able to do this, I'll never move on, I'll never grow up, I'll never mature in the Lord? It's great and it's necessary for us to see that there's nothing good in our flesh. But in seeing this, do we at the same time recognize our own hope is found with the Lord? Who are you? Well, God answers that question with the reply, my name is, I am. What an incredibly deep and rich reply in such a short phrase. Basically, what God was saying is, name your hurt and I am your healing. Name your confusion and I am your clarity. Your disappointment and I am your encouragement. This is what would qualify Moses to deal with the problems before him. And that would be that this really is God living the very demand. I will send you back and I am the one that's doing this. Jesus reveals the same truth to the believer today. In John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. And in John 8.12, I am the light of the world. In John 10.9, I am the door. In John 10.11, I am the good shepherd. In John 11.25, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. And in John 15, 1, I am the true vine. So you see, Jesus is telling us the same thing, isn't he? He's simply telling us this, name your hurt. And I am your healing. Name your confusion and I am your clarity, your disappointment. I am your encouragement. And this is what qualifies us to live in this new year. God living the very demand. Just as God's enabling and faithfulness was Moses' qualification for the problem laid before him, so is Christ's enabling and faithfulness in you, your qualification, for dealing with the changes you see that should take place in your life this year. He lives the very demand. So be encouraged because in Christ you are qualified by faith to face this new year. So face it. My name is Kelly Darty. If you'd like to correspond with me, I can be reached through email. That address is kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at hishill.org. Well, this is the last episode for this year. I want to thank you again for the encouragement that you've been giving me. Uh, thank you for listening. And I uh, want you to know that we we plan to move forward in this next year, continuing with weekly episodes. Uh, as a matter of fact, with the, uh, the beginning next week for the next two episodes, we'll be starting out by visiting with Charles Price. Uh, Charles is the former pastor of People's Church in Toronto. And before that, he was the principal of the Bible School at Cape and Ray Hall, which is the first torchbearer center found in England. We'll also have some panel discussions and, of course, more testimony interviews and devotions. Thanks for listening. Spread the word about the podcast. And as always, remember, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus.